Hello, and welcome to another episode of From the Lower Level. I am your host for today, Patrizio. Um, as you can probably tell, Moshi um, was unable to join us. Um, it's always an excuse with Moshi. It's her best friend's cousin's dog died. Her Amazon package arrived damaged. The milkman retired. Dinner was served cold two weeks ago and it was intentional. But um, that's okay. I'm going to hold down the fort. Um, and honestly, history was made this week on Real Housewives. Um, and I am going to deep dive into it with you today. Um, I'm, of course, going to give you the coffee talk, the word on the street right now. Um, and then I am purely going to be discussing Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. It's season four, episode three, because this was one for the books. Um, Moshi messaged me when this episode dropped and she said within the first nine minutes, she knew it was iconic. I went through every emotion watching this episode the internet is loving it. I am just, I don't, I don't have words to describe how I feel, but we're going to get into that a little bit later on. But first of all, of course, it's word on the straight. Um, I'm just going to jump through some quick, um, word on the straight that's dropped in the last like couple of days. First up, um, the real housewives of Sydney trailer dropped, um, and we got to meet the new housewives, of course, Nicole and the other one I never remember the name of are coming back, Chewbacca and Captain Eyebrows. I don't know. I was a little underwhelmed. There didn't seem to be a lot of drama. So either they're going to give us one of these like trailers that just didn't show all of it, um, or it's truly just like a reset and they're going to ease us into these new Real Housewives of Sydney. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, but it drops next month in October. Um, it's kind of crazy that this even got, um, like, renewed after so long. And the other thing is, where is Athena X? Where is Lisa Oldfield? Like, unfortunately for these new girls these TikToks and Instagram posts have been recirculating of like Athena X's best moments and Lisa Oldfield almost drowning at the beach and giving the emergency hand signal. And it just like, it reminds you of how good it was, but we have seen successful reboots recently. Um, so I guess it's, um, to be seen whether this one will also be a success and whether it can result in perhaps a rebooted Melbourne, a rebooted Auckland, um, for us in the lower level, this is um, very interesting, exciting times. Um, the other week, Moshi and I gave our predictions for the Real Housewives of New York seating chart, um, and it dropped last week after they filmed the reunion. Going left to right... We have Uber, Bryn, and Jessel with the seat next to Andy, which Moshi and I did not predict correctly, um, but the internet asked for and it got. 
And then to the right of Andy, looking at the screen, then it's Eren, Jenna, and Sai. Again, and Moshi and I kind of predicted an Eren um, first seat. It feels correct. She's the villain. Um, she's a bit of a narrator as well. Uh, we're not, we, I am not going to be talking about New York City Housewives this week, but I will say that there was a lot of uh, heat between Uber and Erin this week. Um, and I feel like the internet has reacted and is definitely on Uber's side. Um, and there's been a lot of suggestion around Erin, like dog whistling around Uber as well. Um, and I'm kind of disappointed that they filmed the reunion at this point because, um, I feel like the way that perhaps things go down at the reunion will not reflect how the audience has reacted to this episode, to the upcoming episodes as well. Um, but it is sort of like fast, um, approaching the final episode of the season. Like we were up to like episode, what was it? Nine last week. It was 10 this week. Um, it's looking like it's maybe like a 15 to 16 episode season. Um, so yeah, it'll be very interesting to sort of see how, all that drama unfolds at the reunion, um, particularly given the audience's reaction. Um, I don't think I've ever really spoken about this, but I am obsessed, obsessed with The Traders. Um, I've watched every single English um, iteration of it now. There's one for Australia, US, which was on Peacock, um, and had some Bravo liberties on it last season. And also the UK. Um, and they are about to start filming season two of the U S um, version of the franchise. And, um, there was a, um, predicted cast that was dropped because this season they're going all celebrities. Previously they had a mix of celebrities and just common people off the street. Um, and, uh, there was a suggestion that perhaps Candy was going to be joining the show, um, which has been debunked by Candy this week. Um, but it's looking like Tamara Judge um, and Larsa Pippen are going to be joining in this new season of The Traders. Um, Marcus Jordan, uh, Larsa's boyfriend, is going to be joining the show as well, um, which will just be interesting to watch. It would be fun to see the dynamic, having... Um, a boyfriend and girlfriend situation, the traders, if you've ever watched it is of course, um, they've done it before, but the couple hid their relationship from everyone. Obviously everyone knows that Larsa and Marcus are together. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But the word on the street that like has blown my mind this week has unfortunately been Shannon Bedore Storm's DUI her arrest and booking at Newport Beach. Um, you know, often in the lower level, we wake up to the headlines and this was just one that the internet has taken and run with. I think like some of the best sort of takes on this all has been like the way that Shannon has had 10 seasons of just like personal struggle through her like time on the OC. Um, this is, particularly bad. So 
The story is that she was at a restaurant in Newport um, and the restaurant is literally called A Restaurant and she was, I, I believe, with a producer or her agent or something like that and she obviously had a bit too much to drink. Alexis Bellino was at the same restaurant at the same time as Shannon and apparently Shannon was like cursing out Alexis while she's at this restaurant um, obviously, um, Jim Bellino had sued Shannon, um, not when Alexis and Jim were together, but, um, for some reason, Shannon includes Alexis in all of that. Um, so she had Alexis's name in her mouth. Like Alexis has come out with a statement as well, saying that she saw Shannon at this restaurant. She didn't interact with her. She like wishes her best. Um, at this, like, obviously terrible time for her family. Um, and then Shannon obviously drove, um, and she drove off. There's footage on TMZ of her swerving and then driving into someone's sort of, like, front porch, um, knocks over a couple of bricks of the front fence and then proceeds to reverse and then drive off again. Um, she then later parks the car on the other side of the road and... Um, gets out with Archie, um, her dog, and pretends to be walking him, and that's when the police arrest her. Um, obviously, she couldn't put up this front of her just walking the dog, and she's arrested and booked. She's taken to Newport um, Police Station, and she was... Um, a mugshot was taken, but it will not be released to the public. Um and now, obviously, you know, the commentary is coming out. Obviously, it's it's justice for Gina. Gina, just a few episodes on OC, talked about, you know, how Shannon needs to go to rehab. I think Shannon's always had, obviously, a interesting relationship with alcohol. Um, there's people are digging up from the archives. There's, like, a, a, a scene from season one or two of her time on OC and she talks about, you know, having fun and her kids are like, yeah, you have fun with alcohol. Um, it's just, it's all coming out now. Um, I think one of the more interesting takes on all this was um, people thanking Shannon for giving Gina another season on the show because now there needs to be a Shannon versus Gina off over the DUI because that was brought up this season again as well. Um, it's just, it's a situation. Um, Shannon, obviously, I hope that she gets the help that she needs and that this is the wake-up call. This is, like, her hitting rock bottom. Um, but it's not great. No cameras have been put up. Obviously, they've already filmed the OC reunion. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether she returns to the show, whether all this is played out on, on the show as well. Um, but um, truly, with thoughts and prayers, go to Archie at this time because that dog should not have been put in that situation. And that is really the only um, being that we care about. Um, well, I guess we can't rush out it, but we truly care about Archie and his welfare because he had no, no choice in any of this either. But as I said, I want to deep dive into Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Season 4, Episode 3, because this was truly an episode. This was reality TV history. This was, if you haven't even seen 
Salt Lake City, you have seen the memes on the internet. And we were all wondering how they were going to recover from such a poor season three, how they were going to recover from the Jen Shah of it all. Um, and this episode is amazing. I am completely obsessed. Meredith Marks for how disengaged she has been on this show has turned into this camp icon um, just from this episode alone. The memes, the, like, we have been posting them on the stories. Like, it's just, it is a cultural reset. I'm just so floored at how Salt Lake City has turned around. And again, as Moshi and I discussed last week, you have to watch Salt Lake City knowing that this is a parody of Housewives. This is a parody of soap opera. Um, we can't take these women seriously. These are unserious people. Um, we just have to, we have to just take it all in. And the only thing, the only thing I will say is that they have started very strong. This is three episodes in and we are like standing ovation, applauding these women. But I guess the challenge is, can they keep the momentum moving forward? Um, but I'm going to sort of like go through some of like the, the best parts of this episode. It was a normal length episode, which is kind of crazy when you think last episode was like the extended episode. Like how did this, how did this day not get the extended episode? I'm not sure. And they literally spend about 30 minutes at the dinner from hell alone, which is also really interesting too. Like this was an episode where in terms of timeline, not a lot happens, but a lot goes down. Um, I want to start off with Mary. She is marrying again. This is like what we wanted to see. This is why we brought her back. She is just a loner in a group of women of whom she really does not want to be a part of, but has, you know, she's doing the Lord's work on this show. Um, some of the hot hits from Mary, this, um, episode, first of all, meeting Trixie, she's finally found out that there is a person behind the name of the motel. Um, I think she's been unsure of Trixie as well, but, um, Trixie gets a handshake. Um, from Mary, she's asking who is Angie in the confessionals. Um, she's very clearly aligned to team Meredith in all of this. Um, she overhears Heather in her room and says how loud she is. She chooses to sit like nowhere near Angie and Whitney outside by the pool while eating their food. Um, it's all just very, eccentric behavior that we love to see later when they go shopping her first observation is that somebody farted um she doesn't let monica choose the her outfit um she says that she's gonna be choosing for her and monica together um and truly one of the weirdest ones was mary and her african crane um that wanted her to stare at it all the time um, is almost giving like Monique Samuels and the parrot. Like it's just, unfortunately, like where is this 
African crane. Why is it not around anymore? Like, can we get Mary a new one? Like, these are all questions I have running through my mind when it comes to Mary. Um, she's also like killing it in the confessionals. She's just killing it overall. She's asking the questions. She's doing, like I said, the Lord's work in all of this. Um, and it's like fantastic TV. Um, obviously in all of this sort of like, you know, Angie's not invited to the trip and she shows up as Whitney's plus one. Um, it's interesting to sort of see the divide start between Angie and Monica um, it is a little bit cliche. It's the classic um, housewife brings a friend, introduces them to the group, and they turn against her fight. Um, in this case, Angie introduces Monica to the group, and Monica is already calling Angie out for her um, her outbursts and her behavior. Um, it'll be interesting to see sort of how that develops over time because I think they kind of let it slide in this episode, but you can kind of tell something is going to be simmering away there. Um, Meredith is not a fun organizer of things. She, um, first of all, she's bringing presents for everyone. Angie K does not get one because she wasn't invited. We didn't know she was coming and she doesn't get a t-shirt um, and then she lets the women know that she's going to be taking them on a shopping trip and to make it a little bit fun and different and, and as a way to bond together, she's pairing everyone up, um, in their kind of their feuds to be able to perform a trust exercise. Everyone has to pick out an outfit for the other person in their pairing. So we have, uh, Lisa and Meredith, they're going to be a pair, uh, bad weather are a pair. Monica and Mary are a pair, um, and Angie, who cares about Angie? She can just go with Whitney as a plus one or just shop by herself. Um, this not only was it like not a fun activity because Meredith's organized it, but it was incredibly shady as well. Um, because of two of the outfits at least that were chosen. First of all, Lisa's outfit, um, it was the knockoff of she top with the belly dancer, like, wrap as bottoms, um, which was completely inappropriate. Like, this woman didn't get a skirt or anything. Um, it's honestly wild that Meredith, like, chose this outfit for Lisa. Lisa is exactly right. She should not trust Meredith at all. Um, it's just so bizarre. And it unravels even further later on when they're heading to dinner because... Um, Lisa's made to wear this outfit, um, or like her bathing suit as she describes, um, to a five-star restaurant in Palm Springs. Um, it's kind of wild to think that Meredith is the one that knows what the plan for the day is and still chooses to dress Lisa in hardly any clothes, um, to go to this five-star restaurant. Um, not a lot is said about this, but, like, let's hope that it comes back up later on because it is honestly wild. Um, the other honourable mention for terrible outfit choice was Whitney's. Um, Heather has chosen to dress her as Kate Middleton on the top and a lab tech on the bottom. Um, again, truly awful. Nowhere near five-star restaurant um, outfit standards. Um, and it's just so dumb. Like, this whole activity was just so, so dumb. Um, 
But they're dressed now, they have their outfits, and they're heading to the dinner. Um, And again, just an example of how Meredith is just not a fun or interesting person. Um, She chooses to start the dinner with a bit of a game, an activity, if you will. Um, And she talks about, um, asks everyone, like, for a fun fact about themselves that nobody else knows. She chooses to go first. And lets us all know that she used to visit Palm Springs as a child to visit her grandparents. This story, this fun fact, is completely indicative of who Meredith is as a person. She's not interesting. She's got, like, no point of view. Um, She is playing it safe. It's just, it's poor. It's poor housewives' behaviour. Monica, on the other hand, understands the assignment and that's her chance to make the big reveal to the wider group because she's only told um, Heather at this point that she um, fucked her brother-in-law for 18 months. And this is a huge stir amongst the group. She has to explain the context to everyone, which was that it is her husband's sister's husband she had sex with um and it's just again like this was what we needed to get we didn't need to know about Whitney's poem writing we didn't need to know about Mary being a loner um Heather and her bird box that she's got a camera inside of um Angie saying that she's sensitive um these are all very like boring, simple stories. Um, I've already mentioned Mary's one about the African crane. Again, kind of iconic, but I don't think the women get the full story at the, at the dinner as to the African crane. That was all happening in the confessionals. Um, and on confessionals, I do want to say that I think Whitney has really leveled up this season in terms of confessionals. I would almost argue that she's a confessional queen of this season. Um, she has clearly, after Ultimate Girls Trip, taken some lessons from Portia, from Candace, um, from Giselle. She She's done some research. She's watched some other franchises and she sort of understands that like the, the confessionals are where you need to really like let loose and sort of like be shady and talk shit about everyone. Um, if you haven't watched this episode, if you didn't get my reference at the start to Washi um, not being here today, that was again, it was a Whitney confessional um, shade line towards Meredith about like, you know, how she likes to talk about the problems in her life. Um, she's really leveled up. It's really interesting to see. I think that um, Whitney has been a terrible bone collector in previous seasons. I think she's been a scapegoat. I think she's been used by the other women to sort of like stir up trouble and she's just taken things and become, you know, collateral damage and all of it. But um, she's, again, as I said earlier, if we can maintain the momentum, if like we can keep this up, this could truly be Whitney's season. Um, she could potentially have the 
the seat next to Andy. Um, Meredith, I think if the jessel of it all um, has happened now, I think Meredith definitely is going to be in the first seat with Andy by her side. Um, it makes a lot of sense if this is the direction that we're going, we're kind of like leaning into what the fans want. Um, so yeah, I think Whitney is definitely like, uh, solidifying her role in this show. Um, you know, it, it, it's almost starting to look like we could have like a Potomac situation on Salt Lake City where we have four OGs going all the way through for seven or eight seasons like they've made it to four seasons so far and it's bloody good this season so um it'll be like i said interesting to see if we can keep up the steam the other thing that whitney has picked up on in all of this as well is um the art of um being messy playing games um so obviously the first thing that she's done is she's brought Angie on the trip and gone early to secure the bedrooms to meet with Trixie to hide Angie in a, in the closet so she can pull her out. Um, it's messy. It's provoking trouble. Um, it's Whitney not giving a fuck. It's just, it's so interesting to see how she's developed this season uh, one of the games that she wants to play with the women is warm and fuzzy, cold and prickly. So the concept of the game is you have to say one thing you really like about the, the housewife to your right and you have to say one thing that you don't like so much about the housewife to your right. And, I mean, it's pretty obvious what's about to go down. Um, because it's it's a reasonable or is it a shady? It's a it's a way to get provoke some conversation, to bring up some feelings that are simmering under the surface, and it's kind of also like interesting to see the issues that come out because some of them are expected, and then some of them kind of like come out of nowhere and really escalate quite quickly. And one of those to me is Heather and Angie. So Heather says that her cold and prickly about Angie is that there's no trust in the relationship, that these women have known each other since high school. Like they know who they are. They've known their friends. They've known each other for a very long time. Um, but Heather just feels like there's no trust after the things that happened last season. And also the, um, the way that Angie has kind of like acted towards her in terms of like her book and the opening party, the fresh, fresh, no fresh start party. The next, um, the next one that kicks off is between Meredith and Whitney. And again, this is an example of Whitney really stepping up and kind of just calling shit out as it is, which was her, um, saying to Meredith before Meredith can even um, mention it is um, that perhaps her cold and prickly is the fact that she brought Angie on the, the trip without discussing with her first. And Meredith suggests that it wasn't going to be the thing that she brought up. Um, and she says it's communication, but again, Mary is killing it and says, um, no, Meredith, like you did say that you're not happy with Angie being there. Um, and it's an opportunity for Mary, uh, sorry, for Meredith to 
uh, sort of let let that that discussion slide for the moment. Um, but again, it's just it's so great to see Whitney just calling shit out and just like stirring the pot and just doing what needs to be done. The last one of the cold and prickly that um, really kicks off is between Monica and Lisa, which again is another one of these sort of like simmering feelings that Monica has been having about Lisa having lost her $60,000 ring um, and bringing it up about seven times in the space of 24 hours. It's like not even like, it's less than like 18 hours at this point, really. Um, and Lisa really holds it down. Um, I think she sort of tells Monica noted, like, I get it. Like, I'm not going to say it anymore as she's pressed though. She does sort of say, you know, all these women work hard for their blessings that, you know, they all have what each other has, which Monica clearly does not given where she's at with her divorce and having to sort of rebuild her, her finances and her life. Um, but it's, again, it's one of those feuds that clearly is going to kick on throughout the season. Um, this was one of those episodes that was establishing all the feuds. It's giving us the taste of things to come, how the, the factions are forming. Um, it was just, again, a masterstroke by Whitney to, um, to start to pot stir and, um, and start the drama between the women. But the main, the main event, the main course, if you will, is of course the fact that Meredith is activated. Um, Meredith, um, the queen of disengaging, um, this season has chosen to be fully engaged and activated, um, and it's making for the best TV on the, on the reality TV circuit right now. Um, she's, she's had all day to be, to be worked up, um, to this point, right? So she is activated that Angie has been brought on this trip. She has been activated by the fact that, uh, Whitney and, Angie have chosen their rooms before everyone else has gotten there and that Winnie has taken the best room for herself as well. Um, but the thing that really kicks it off, um, and you know, as someone with Greek heritage, um, I was excited to see some Greek language be thrown around too. Angie discusses how in her family, she uses like a, a, the word of the day in Greek with her daughter and that in her toast, she says that she's going to toast to the word seftiko, which means um, a fake person um, or a fake thing. And um, this truly kicks it off between Angie and Meredith. Everything is out now. Uh, Meredith is talking about how Angie said that they would never be friends Monica and Angie are asking for the receipts. Meredith, of course, has nothing. The producers have nothing because there's no flashbacks to Angie in a confessional or in last season saying that Meredith, to, to Meredith, about Meredith, um, that she wants nothing to do with her anymore, that they will never be friends. Um, and it's amazing. There has been a lot of heat against Angie. Um, there's been a lot of people saying she's bringing nothing to the show. 
There's been a lot of people saying that she's consuming all the oxygen on the show in this episode in particular. Um, but I think we need to give credit where it is due. Angie has successfully activated Meredith and brought this out of her. And that is real great housewives, like energy. Um, Angie, you may not like her approach. You may not like how she does it. You may not like her voice, whatever it is. Um, you just have to give her the props where they're due. Um, she is, has come into play and, um, she's not letting Meredith go for this one. She barrels the reads at Meredith. She talks about her, how her entire, um, her, she's rented her entire life out. Um, which again, like we've seen this, the houses and all the rest of it too. Like there's nothing about Meredith that is authentic on this show really in terms of like what she's trying to portray. Um, and Angie's calling it out as it is. And this is what gives us one of the first iconic lines that I have had on repeat where Angie tells, sorry, where Meredith tells Angie, you can leave. Um, I have had it on repeat. I've watched the video about 12,000 times now. Um, it, it spirals even further. She's like asking for security at the restaurant to be brought over. Poor Chad, the waiter has been confused for a security person. She's asking Chad, um, she's telling Chad that she's the hostess and that this person needs to be escorted off site. Like it is, just truly unhinged, like ridiculous behavior from Meredith. It's exactly what this dumb show needs. It's just more stupidity. Um, it's so, so good. She's able to come back to the table and then brings up this line about how, um, there are children who will be disabled for the rest of their lives. And, it has caught everyone off guard. No one knows what the hell Meredith is talking about. Um, Meredith's crying. Everyone is very, very confused. Um, the English accent has come out as well of Meredith's mouth. Like it is just this dinner did not start well. It is not ending well. It is progressing in the exact way that we need it to. Um, it's bringing out the memes. Um, this is going to be a talked about episode. This is a dinner from hell that will go down in housewives infamy. Um, love or hate Salt Lake city. You can't deny the power, um, that it has over the internet right now. It's just, it's so, so good. I cannot commend it enough. Um, and of course, this all leads up to Meredith storming off because Angie won't leave. Because Angie holds her ground. She's like, I'm not leaving. You're not going to like push me out of this group. Um, and we get the moment between Lisa Barlow and Meredith where Meredith and like, I can't even, I can't even uh, impersonate Meredith in this moment. But she tells Lisa Barlow that she's going to go for the jugular the rumors and the nastiness. <laughs> and if they want her go for, go there with husbands. I just, 
I don't know a better housewife right now. I have had it on repeat. I have told Moshi not to go there with the husband. It's just, it's so good. And Lisa, like, has this brief moment where she, like, has eyes down the barrel of the camera in a clear call for help as Meredith is unraveling. You just, you can't, like, you can't script this. It's amazing. In all of this as well, Lisa calls out the fact that, like, she has seen this pattern before. It's the... I don't want you around. I heard rumors about you and it all leads down to the Lisa Barlow of it all. Um, and I don't think Lisa Barlow is wrong about that. Like, I think that is very accurate. Um, this is a pattern of behavior that we've seen from Meredith before. Um, and she's just rolling it out on Angie now. It's just, again, we had the fresh snow, fresh start. There was nothing said about, you know, Meredith's feelings about Angie it's all coming out now. There's really no opportunity to to try and fix it between the two women. Um, but we don't want them to fix it. We need more and more scenes like this. Um, and, of course, on Salt Lake City, we have to say that the, the – what are we up? We've got, like, six housewives, seven housewives. Um, the, the, the additional housewife on this show is the Sprinter van. And the sprinter strikes again. Um, Whitney and Meredith kick off together. Um, as I said earlier, she she mentions how Meredith always has some sort of situation going on in her life that she likes to bring up to deflect from confronting the issues at hand. And Whitney is definitely like about 12 espresso martinis in, as is everyone else, especially Heather. Um, and she confronts Meredith on this point, which is kind of insane because there's clearly something going on with Meredith and one of her friend's children and a possible disability for life. And, you know, whether that's related to anything on this show, like it's not, but for Whitney to have called this out in the Sprinter van, like just chef's kiss, like it's great. Um, and then when they arrive back at Trixie Motel, um, it continues because then Mary and Whitney get into it over their problems. And Mary, the, the, the juxtaposition here, like sort of the, the two scenes together, Mary's in confessional talking about how none of these women know how to fight to each other and then goes into Whitney um, saying that she called um, Mary pornography. <laughs> Whitney's then trying to, like, defend herself, saying that she's never said that Mary's done porn before, which, like, honestly, where is the Mary sex tape? Like, I want the cameo appearance of um, Mary in a porno now. I need her to say, like, not in front of my salad. Like, I need something like this to happen um, but of course, because Mary is just like on a tirade, she's confused the word pornography with predator. And thankfully Heather, like Jesus himself on the third day has resurrected from her drunken stu- stupor, um, to, 
to be able to provide the word predator to Mary because um, she's clearly very, very confused as to what Winnie has accused her of. Um, it's just amazing TV. The, the, the sprinter van just, it needs to win a, a, an Emmy. It needs to win all the awards for just being like best supporting actor, um, in this show. Um, and of course this episode ends with Heather being extremely intoxicated, unable to get out of the Sprinter van and then having to vomit up her, her stack of espresso martinis, um, into a shopping bag, which appears to have broken and there's just, um, vomit everywhere. It's disgusting. It's awful. Um, but I will say Heather being, uh, H E W A S H T E T, um, in the Sprinter van and at this dinner, it was actually really fun to see her like that. Um, it was fun to see her being on the sidelines of the drama. It was fun to watch her giggle like Mickey Mouse, um, at anything that anyone would say that was just dumb and stupid. Um, Heather, this was one of her best episodes and she should just get like wasted more often. I think because I enjoyed watching it. Um, there was somebody online that was saying that it looked like Heather was like pissing herself while she was vomiting because of how like the angles were. (laughs) And honestly, I need that to be true. Like it was just, it was awful, but it was just so, so good. I just, the, the levels that Salt Lake City is giving us the entertainment value. Um, I saw the ratings come out for this episode and obviously ratings don't mean anything anymore, but like, it was like hardly anyone, but the entire internet is talking about it. So I just feel like Salt Lake City is here to say it's one of the best franchises on TV right now of the, of the Housewives universe. Um, we need to raise our espresso martini glasses to these women. Um, Meredith in particular, she is MVP, which I never thought I would say on this podcast, but there it is. Um, just, it was, it was five snowflakes out of five. This is an episode which will go into the Housewives canon. It is up there with like... Nini, um, being read for filth, um, by Claudia Jordan. It is up there with, um, you know, the, the multiple dinner parties from hell on Beverly Hills. Um, it's, it's got the same stupidity as Ramona, like shitting all over the floors on her vacations on New York city. Like, we're going to be talking about these for a long time. I personally am going to be talking about these for a long time. Um, I, I don't even feel like I was able to convey the joy and the, the, the experience I had while watching this episode with you all. Um, it's unfortunate that Moshi's not here because this episode, it needed to be discussed. It needed to be immortalized on this podcast. Um, but perhaps it's a blessing that I am the only little girl on this show today because 
this episode would have gone for about five hours and would have just had Moshi and I in stitches the entire time. Um, I am going to leave it there. What a, what an episode of this podcast, what an episode of Salt Lake City. As always, you can find us on the gram at from the low level pod. Normally we'd ask you to, to give your opinion or something, but honestly, just like slide into the DMS and just say, you know, do you want to go there with the husband? Like, just tell me that I can leave. Honestly, this is just, these are the things I want to hear at this point in time. Um, we'll be back next week. We're going to be discussing, um, the final episode. Oh, actually we might not be quite there yet, but, um, the, the penultimate episode of OC, um, the, the next episode of New York city. Um, and of course, Salt Lake city as well. Um, there is so much to discuss. There's so much happening right now. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, as always ring the bell, subscribe, notify yourself, tell your neighbor, um, mention it all to your friends, um, about this podcast. We appreciate it. Um, and I will see you back next week with Moshi to discuss the women that we love the most, the Real Housewives. Bye, baby gorgeous.